podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu. Simplify your federal agency's technology procurement with Connection Public Sector Solutions. Connection's dedicated account managers, commitment to exceptional customer service, and extensive catalog of federal contracts make IT purchases quick, easy, and affordable. Turn your challenges into opportunities and get rid of your technology pain points with Connection today. Learn more about what's possible with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts. Trouble indeed, and with a capital T as two into three in the Liverpool midfield doesn't go. Villa failed to feel the cold hand of revenge and two points get infuriatingly dropped at home ahead of the Merseyside derby. Will the lads be weeping into their monogrammed handkerchiefs or sharpening their crocodile dundee hunting knives? One thing's for sure, there'll be plenty of debate on the day trippers. On tonight's show, we're joined by Simon Furnival, which means we have two of the three bad wolves in the show and we fear a coup. We put forward our shouts for wretched right-wingers in our worst all-time 11 section. We chew the fat on what happened at Anfield as Villa again came away with something from our home patch. We look forward to the FA Cup match and the Merseyside Derby on Tuesday. And we finish, as always, with listeners' questions. Okay, first up, we return to filling out our worst Liverpool 11s, and it's the right side of midfield tonight. So who were the most woeful right-sided players we witnessed in our time watching LFC? And is there really any competition for Antonio Nunes? Now, I'm going to start here. Mine is a perpetually winded little tubster. Hands on his hips, miles off the pace, the magnificently woeful Joey Cole. Simply put, he was a festering boil on the scabies-infected Hudson era. You can tell I've written that down. Um, I'm going to come now to Simon Furnival for his shout about the right-hand side. Um... I, I don't think there is any competition for Antonio Nunes, really. Um, but just to mix it up a little bit, I've gone for somebody who sometimes played up front, sometimes played wide on the wide on the right, and was wherever he played just a genu- generally unpleasant person. And that's uh, El Hadj Diouf. Lovely. Mm. Um, you know what cost ten million from loans, and, and we signed him instead of Nicholas and Elka, and <laughs> spat at Celtic fans, and generally had a terrible disciplinary record. And then we ended up having to loan him to Bolton. I think he's yeah just. One of my most hated Liverpool players of all time. So, yeah, one of very few, possibly the only ex-Liverpool player to come back to Liverpool and get booed. <laughs> very, very good point, James Owens. You've come in. You might as well continue. Who's your show? Well, um, Simon's outthought me there because I didn't think of Duke, but mainly because I suppose, obviously, generally he largely played sort of as a forward. But um, I was going to say, and I will say, Pennant, Jermaine Pennant, um, who wasn't, you know, I mean. He, He's you know, famously the player we didn't get because we couldn't get Danny Alves or Shamal or someone, I can't remember now. And, uh, you know, lesson if ever there was one, that generally you get what you pay for and you pay for what you get. Um, mm. Because 
he didn't cost a lot of money, but he, you know, he left for nothing. He wasn't horrendous, you know. He, he had a certain amount of ability, but you know, his attitude was piss poor. Um, I mean, I, the, the thing that annoys me, I mean, he was just a bit of a tit, wasn't he? And you know, he, <laughs> he didn't score goals either. I mean, the thing that one of the things that stands out for me about Pennant, the guy's mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was the first million-pound teenager, wasn't he, when he went from Knox County to Arsenal? But like, you know, you always—I remember I used to, um, at the time. There was one time when I went to the match, and I'd always buy a program. They'd always have a pretty good interview with the players in 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 the, in the somewhere in there, and they'd always ask, you know, who, who who always, you know, who's the worst in training, or who who always, you know, who gets fined most for turning up late? And it was always Pennant. And there was one time where he was, he was a player who fell out with Rafa. And to be fair, there was a few of those, but there was—I remember one time he said he'd get annoyed at Rafa turning, get to the byline before you cross, get to the byline before you cross. And he'd say, you know, basically he said in this interview, like, you know. His attitude to that was, well, can I, can I not just play like this, like the way I want to play? And you think, well, what do you think the fucking match is? You fucking moron. my annoyance at just like, you know, the, the worst of like uh, what you get with some English footballers, which is just a real fucking thick-headed mentality. That's fair enough. I love the stories that his, his girlfriend told about um, how it, basically this model girlfriend would be ignored while he sat and played PlayStation, <laughs> surrounded by a semicircle of snacks, which I thought was a... <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty fucking wonderful image. Um, right, um, next man up is Damien Flood. What do you think? Right side. Um, the, 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 the ones you've picked already, Joe Cole and Joff, uh, are t- two useless tits. Um, but I, I have to go with Nunes. He's the worst thing ever. I actually don't even think his name was Antonio Nunes. It might have been Anton Nugent or something. I think, <laughs> I think he was fucking Norwich somewhere. And I honestly believe he's just a made-up character. Like he, he comes in and pretends to be a footballer. It's like he won a competition or something to be a footballer. and Absolutely shocking. I remember the first game coming on. I said, this lad's from Madrid. He's a bit about him. Obviously, I played a few against him. And his first run, he hasn't even touched the ball. I said, he's not a fucking footballer. You can see he was just all over the shop. Uh, Nunes for me he's, he's shocking one of the worst players ever and he actually played 27 games in the 2004-2005 season like mm. the team won the Champions League shocking player <laughs> <laughs> shocking player Paul Brown well my two choices were it was between Nunes and Pennant and basically James just said word for word what I was going to say about Pennant just there like you know he's a better player than Nunes but the attitude was absolutely disgraceful and one of the interviews with the players that James mentioned was with Dirk Kite they asked him who's the worst at training and he said Jermaine Pennant he doesn't even tie his bootlaces and I like that just that just fucking stuck at me like he's just an absolute bonehead you know just a complete idiot oh yeah in time because he can't probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, left and right written on his A picture of himself on the tongue. <laughs> and then there, there was Nunes who like like he 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 did kind of try try and put in a shift or whatever, but he was hopeless. Like he's a qualified lawyer or something like that, and he probably should have fucking stuck to it. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, he was lying to be a footballer. <laughs> Definitely won a competition or something. <laughs> okay, Andy Young, your shout. <coughs> yeah, next up on my uh, Zinedine Cherry appreciation team. Um, <laughs> I was actually I was actually going to say Cole until you said him, but I'm going to just be different and put Kuehl in because for the same reasons, just, you know, you expected so much of him and he never, never ever delivered. Uh, very tempted to go off me, you know, the, what I agreed with myself and go for the best worst. I really wanted to put Nunes in because uh, he asked us his dad. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, but uh, we leave Aspas as that out of the team and uh, we go for it. Thank you. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> Phil. 
can't follow that. Like, I, mine is just Mark Walters. No, no. no. As fast as that. As fast as that. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, Jesus. Okay. Up a second, man. Uh, right, <laughs> Phil, don't wander too far from my care. Um, right, it's time to move on to our Liverpool versus Aston Villa review and what did or didn't happen on Saturday evening. As the Red Men came back from two down, and yet everybody seems hacked off. But is that fair? Were there not some positive points to draw from the game from the result? Yeah, I, I, I said to you when we were putting the agenda together that I, I wanted to come in first and, and see if, if if we could drill out some positives at all from from Saturday's game. I, I approached the game a bit different to most people. I didn't think we were going to win it. And I thought on the law of averages, we'd won eight in the bounce at Anfield. We were going into the ninth match. We were going to revert. To, at some stage, we were going to get a result. Whether I would have rather drawn that, that one than, say, draw the Merseyside derby or whatever. But I just, I just thought going into it that that, that was the likelihood. So if you, take it, if, if you look at the mentality, and we, we've talked about this before in terms of what's developing in the actual players. We were 2-0 down um, fairly early on, relatively early in the game. Um, and... We managed to go in at half-time, having got one back. Now, whether fairly or not at that point, because we could have been three or four down. We, we, we managed to, to keep it to two, went in, got a goal back, just at a nice point, just before the stroke at half-time, and came out and scored quickly in the second half. It showed great a great sense that the team, uh, in, in a mental way, has come together in terms of being able to claw back games, claw back results when when things are really when they're, when they're really up against the wall. That, that there's a bit of fight in them that in previous years wasn't there. I was disappointed as, as, as we'll come on that, that we didn't push on and actually win the game in the end because I, I thought when we had got the two goals back we had Villa on the rack at that stage. Rodgers himself, while it took him a while to make the change, he made the right change ultimately in terms of strengthening the midfield, in terms of getting the players in there. It's good to see that there's a there's an understanding now, both from Rodgers and Gerrard, if, if, if you're to believe what they're saying in the press, that both of them no longer think that um, Gerrard is the second coming of Pirlo and will, you know, is, is unlikely to play that role again. So the lessons that have been learned coming out of that game could serve us to actually improve our position and improve our running in terms of the lessons being learned here for the actual game. So is there Positives, yeah, there is positives. I, I thought Raheem Sterling he, he he struggled a bit against Ryan Bertrand, but he actually got his ha- got the hold on Bertrand by the time the actual uh, se- the, the second half kicked off, and in the end, Bertrand went off in about sixty five minutes or so it was. And to, you know, it, it, it isn't doom and gloom. We still finished the weekend in fourth place. You know, you'd still think that the fundamentals that that underset the team haven't been actually disrupted by a draw at home to Villa. We picked up four points against Villa, where last year we only picked up three points. Had you know. We had we had you looked at the, the Stoke Everton and Villa game and said potentially we come out with seven points out of that game you would have taken it at, at, at that instance so it's not all doom and gloom there is positives there it just we need to sort of see that before we actually go into it fair enough and um, before we start um, into what is obviously going to be a lot of negative stuff as well Simon Furnival could you mind any more uh, positivity out of that for us before we before we get cracking on the on the gloom um, yeah I mean as Phil said there, w- there was positives uh, to take from the game. I think you know the, the biggest one that that, that I um, saw was, was the performance of Raheem Sterling, who for me was man of the match. Um, mm. You know, I, I, again, as Phil pointed out, and just parroting his points, you know, he came up against a tough challenge, challenge in, in Ryan Bertram, and you know, by the by the time Bertram went off, he'd, he'd kind of figured him out, and you know, uh, was was doing well against him. Sturridge getting another goal um, is, is a big positive, and and Luis Suarez. Going back to his, his 
absolute best form at diving and winning penalties is, is, is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Simon, Simon. It, it was a Uruguay penalty. It was a Uruguay <laughs> <laughs> And is that, is, is that a bit as far as you can go when it comes to positivity for us, Simon? <laughs> um, I, I, th- I think, you know, yes, we, we did get a point from, from a position that 12 months ago we, we certainly wouldn't have done. Hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I think in terms of just taking that game in, in isolation, there, there were more negatives than positives for me. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Well, look, let's let's get straight into that then. You've touched on and skirted around it there. James Owens, maybe you might talk to us about this. Brendan Rodgers' team selection. <laughs> look, uh, people have called it arrogant. It was, people have called it hubristic. It was certainly unbalanced at the start. Showing, you called it hubristic. Called it hubristic. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Motherfuckers. You made that word up. <laughs> What's the language, Koji Chops? <laughs> you speak proper now, you. What a gang of. <laughs> oh. I actually feel like crying. <laughs> fucking ingrates. Anyway, let's let's move along here. Uh, yeah. James, I'm getting back to you. Uh, if you could please talk to me about Brendan's selection. Um, it's hubris. It was unbalanced, <laughs> or as as Phil would say, a bit shite. So, what would you think? Uh, what was your What were your thoughts on it? Well, um, the, the thing with the team selection is, I mean, well, there's, there's a few elements to it. I mean, the first, you know, it's it's all well and good talking about Gerard as the kind of the deepest of three midfielders in something kind of like a a lesser version of like, you know, the Juventus kind of Juventus triangle, if you like, you know, where you've got kind of two players who are really energetic kind of box to box players pressing and then the, the, the principal creative player behind, you know, um, you know, Gerard's not quite Pirlo, you know, uh, Alan and Henderson, let's say, or Lucas and Henderson are nowhere near Pogba and Vidal. But um, as a principal, that's fine. Putting him in there in a, a two um, is, is a different thing again. And then particularly when, you know, the, 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 the two wide players were more like wide forwards. I mean, that's one thing. Another thing is, I don't know whether it was wise, actually, um, particularly with a manager who's kind of as adaptable as Lambert, who you know, gets his team playing in a lot, of different kind of, a lot of different shapes and systems, whether it was wise to kind of make such a big show all week. Both Gerard after the Stoke game, and Rogers talking as much about oh Gerard's going to be our kind of our, our deepest midfielder because if Gerard's going to be sort of the principal creative player in a deep position, we'll just get players around him because he's thirty-three. He's not very quick. Yeah, um, that's one thing. Another thing as well though is you can get it wrong with team selections because then again, as I said, Lambert particularly is the kind of manager who can surprise you. You know, we didn't know whether they were going to play three at the back, were they going to play kind of four-three-three? They played four-four-two before. They sort of played a diamond. Um, it's one thing to get it wrong at the start. And it's one thing, say, as we did, to have a, a slow five minutes where the away team, even if they're big underdogs, are the better side. That's one thing. Um, when, it, when you get to 10, 15 minutes and still you're under the cosh against a team who are normally a counter-attacking side, you've got to change it. Now, we didn't go behind until 25 minutes, but we'd have warning after warning from 48 seconds through to them hitting the, the, the post from a corner. Time and again, I mean, in the end, they scored from a counter-attack. I mean, you've got to give Villa credit on the day. Villa were excellent, particularly in the first half. They were really, really good. But at the same time, I mean, it's funny because normally they're actually, they've actually got quite a decent away record, Villa. They're just awful at home. But they kind of, um, OK, they scored one of the goals from a counter-attack. But the way they got it was, was just by pressing and pressing and pressing. Um, so for me, the problem was just that we kind of didn't change it. He's made substitutions in games earlier, but even not maybe a substitution, bringing on someone like Alan or maybe Lucas, but... 
to not to have. I think the problem was just being so slow to change it. And I mean, he did change it after the first goal. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, uh, Damien Flood, to, to, to kind of expand on this a little bit, the slowness to change uh, and getting back to this accusation of arrogance in the team and the way it was lined up and the way it was set up and the expectation around Jared and what Jared would be able to do. Um, is it fair to say that not only did he get it wrong, but he, he, he almost compounded it by cha- failing to change it quickly? Um, I, I do think uh, the failure to change quickly was part of it, but I also think when he did make the change, I don't think the change he initially made was the right one. Right. With the going through at the back. I honestly don't think it was right. Our back four, as it was, was getting stretched all across the park, and it was something I wanted to hit on that I don't see that back four, and I haven't all season playing as a unit, because a proper back four, um, when a full back goes out, the centre half should go with him, and the centre half, it's like they're on that magical rope. We've all done it, we've all trained that mm. way. If you see our full back goes out, he goes out on his own. And it's 1v1, um, no centre-half giving them any cover. Mm. The other centre-half goes, the other centre-half doesn't go. And there's gaps all across that back four. Mm. Uh, so going to trade the back didn't help. <clears throat> and you could actually see it out on the, the Benteke movement for the second goal. He just pulls to the back post and Johnson looks at him going. Mm. Just looks at him going. He doesn't go with him to stay with him at touch tight. Mm. Look, I even think if Minnelay misses that, Benteke comes and steamrolls Johnson at the back post. Um, <clears throat> I think it could have been... You could have changed it, maybe drop Coutinho a little bit deeper or Sterling a little bit deeper and go with the four across the middle and the two up top. Uh, I think with them on top, we really opened up with the three at the back. Um, and I don't think that helped. I think when Lucas won second half, but like that, there's a half of football gone at that stage. Um, that could have been done a little bit earlier. Mm. Um, just to kind of stop them playing. And no two ways about it. They bossed the whole first half, I thought. Mm. I didn't think we got into the game at all at any stage. But it's it's absolutely <coughs> no coincidence that when we have a fellow who's at least passable in the role of defensive midfielder and we've Stephen pushed on to where he can possibly be more effective that we actually look like well, Stephen picks out the ball of the game, you yeah. know, for first mm. first Warriors penalty. Uh, yeah. and that's where you want Stephen Dredd. Yeah. It was a weight off his shoulders once he was moved to where he's more comfortable. Because yeah. he was trying all them passing or coming off and he was feeling you could see he was feeling good about himself. I'd say he was quite down at half time. he's well able to do that and we all know he's well able mm. to do that. Uh, I think Lambert done his homework and he knew as we said earlier he just had to put pressure on Gerard. Um I think we played our cards very early during the week but he's saying this is where he's going to play and he loaded in there with the three lads and they really put pressure on him and I think those stats that he was struggling to make complete passes for, for, for the fourth, fifth yeah, minutes of the game. Some very damning stats yeah. about that. Yeah. Floody, keep talking to me about the defence for a minute and we're going to come on and talk about a particular member or two of it but just in general um, one of the things I, I, I noted down that I want to speak about in the agenda was the, the, the lack of basic, basic competence in the defending. And you were talking something interesting there about people working in partnerships on, on either side. What else was, was, was glaringly wrong about that? The, the, the whole back four for me, and I, I, I've been watching them recently, and it's all reactive defending. Yeah. Everything's reactive. Um, what you want is a proactive back four that works as a unit. Um, if your right full goes, the two centre-halves go... And everyone shifts as a unit. Um, I've seen lads say go out, centre half stays in the middle, and then you're getting little runners from the midfield into them channels. I think what I pointed out at Chelsea a few weeks ago, and what you had then is you've a runner from midfield running in there, you've midfielders chasing them, and you've got lads in the middle that aren't doing anything. Where you want to keep that compact, that you can can play through the little holes. So when the fullback was out, 
let the centre half shift and give them cover. The other centre half shifts, shifts, and then your right side of player swings around. Mm. Th- that's simple, basic defending. But we're not doing that. We're, we're stretched <coughs> right across the back, mm. all the way across the back. There's gaps that you can play through at any stage, and you can just float the ball into the box if you want. So the the, the conversation about different personnel doesn't really hold any water there because basically it's a system that, or it's 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 a way of working rather than. Well, well, I think the. The personnel does if you do add in one or two better players, but I still think you're, you're looking at reactive defending rather yeah. than being playing as a unit and being proactive as a unit. Yeah. You're, not, you're still you're still hoping that your man is going to win the tackle. Mm. You're not always going to win the tackle. Everyone knows that. Mm. What you need want then is the second man. That, that that's what he's there for. He, he's your backup. Mm. Um, that doesn't seem to be any of that in the Liverpool back forward round. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <coughs> Simon, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Ali Sissoko. Um, People have various opinions on him about how limited he is as a footballer. I, I saw some pretty harsh stuff, and I saw some very favourable stuff saying, "Oh, basically he wasn't as shite as we thought." Basically, um, but I think I think um, there's a lot of split opinion on him. Where do you stand on, on Sissoko as uh, at present? Um, I'm not a fan of his at all. Um, I don't subscribe to the opinion that, as you say, some have um, been coming out with that say, you know, oh, he's he's not as bad as as all that. To be honest, I think he is. Um, right. You know, I, I, I thought against Stoke, he, he seemed to get credited with a, with a decent performance. What I saw was a player who got skinned by Charlie Adam two or three times. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jesus. You know, and he's, he's in, in in terms of being a fullback, he's one of the easiest to run past that I've ever seen. Mm. Um, you know, and he seems to be less interested in, in stopping across than even Glenn Johnson is. Oh, here, steady on. Um, <laughs> um, and, and when he does get up the pitch, he makes very little effort to get back in time, which pulls yeah. you know, other defenders across and, and leaves space like, like Bentecchio got at, at, um, for the second goal um, at the weekend. And I just, <laughs> with him, you know, I, I struggle to see what it is he brings in. Mm. To, to the extent that, that Aston Villa were perfectly happy for him to have the ball. I think they were, yeah. On, on Saturday, because, you know, they, they were just like, give him the ball. He has no fucking clue what to do with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul Brennan, the Ali Sissoko scenario, what's, what's your take on it? Um, I I don't think well he's he's obviously he's limited like he's not as Simon said he's like you know when he's going forward uh, the other team aren't really going to be too worried about him he's not really got any technical ability really and he he did lose the ball for the second goal but I thought there was a, there was a lot of people back kind of covering when he did hmm. and it was a real kind of it was a bog standard kind of run into the channel that Agbonlahor did and that Gerard kind of trotted after him and he like he crossed it in and Mignolet hmm. missed it hmm. but um, yes yeah he, again he's, he, he could be really really improved on Sissoko because hmm. he's horrible going forward I don't think he's been that bad defensively recently hmm. I think he's an okay player doing an okay job kind of yeah uh, Andy, you look like you've. Uh, yeah, no, I'm actually. I, I'm, I was actually surprised to see uh, that he got as much coverage as he did, considering there was way worse performances out there. Um, but it just seems that it's all because of how limited he is in the ball. I mean, I absolutely lost the plot when I first seen him play for Liverpool because what I wanted was, you know, somebody better than Enrique on the ball and someone slicker and someone cuter. And when he came in, and I've just kind of got over it now with him, and he is what he is. He's probably the most is what he is player we've ever fucking had (laughs) he's just out there doing a fucking job and in fairness to him like I think he's putting Johnson to shame defensively you know at least he's fucking 
doing, trying something, you know, trying his best. I was actually just quite surprised to see this, the the slaughtering he got, you know. Yeah, yeah, well... What, it's that moment, isn't it? It's that moment with the, um, you know, it, it's that kind of shot come cross at the far post. Yeah. I mean, fuck, oh. you know. But like, <laughs> yeah. The thing is, the thing oh. is I mean, I, I go with what Simon said about, you know, um, he, he's a player who's been skinned by Charlie Adam, but I mean, even 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 if that wasn't the case, you know, outdoing Johnson, you know, putting Johnson to shame defensively at the moment, it's a bit like putting Mussolini to shame on the human rights front, really, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably <laughs> fair. James, while we've got you there, let's look at another person who's maybe not one of the most obvious human pinatas, and that's Simon Mignolet. What, was he was he good enough? Is he good enough um, as Liverpool move on and try to try to cement their, their their place in this top four and try to move on to being a re- Champions League regular team? Uh, you know, obviously there are a lot of knee jerker type reactions, <laughs> but it, overall, has he been good enough? Is he good enough? Looking at what I see from him, he may well be good enough to get us into the top four. You know, depending on what happens this season or, or maybe next, if next season is as good an opportunity as this. But what I look at Minnie and I think. If we, if our aspiration is three or four years down the line to be a title challenging team, you know whether or not you can't predict what the status quo is going to be and whether we're going to have the, the you know, the kind of the power and the nous, you know, financially and transfer speaking to actually kind of compete to, to do that kind of thing. But if we wanted to, you know, with all of things being equal, if we could, I'm not sure Minilay would be the goalkeeper. I'm not sure he's a title winning goalkeeper because he's very, very good. At, at stopping things, he's very, very good with one on ones. I think he's quite average at everything else. You know, he's poor with the ball at his feet. He's not particularly good aerially, you know, he had a few wobbles against Stoke aerially, he's had a few before, um, and obviously, you know, he was he was pretty poor for the second goal on Saturday, so I mean, as a more general thing, yeah, I'm not, he, he might well be a goalkeeper good to get you into the Champions League, but I don't, I don't know if you win the Champions League with a goalkeeper that like that, particularly given the way Rodgers would ideally like us to play, it's still, he's still a strange signing in some ways, he's been a good signing, but I still think He's a strange signing, really, um, given the kind of manager we've got. Because, you know, Rodgers is more or less an evangelist for a goalkeeper who's really good with his feet and very proactive. You know, Mini lays neither of those things, which is the strange thing. He's improved us, but I I don't know whether he he would be like, you know, a goalkeeper in a title winning Liverpool side or maybe even a title challenge in Liverpool side. I think that's that's a fair comment and a very interesting (laughs) kind of idea to think about more. Um, Look, there are more obvious uh, kind of areas for our ire and a lot of things that we need to talk about. I know that an awful lot of people lay the blame for the drop points squarely at uh, Brendan Rodgers' feet. Just before we even talk about that, there's quotes from the man himself there today. Bren, or uh, Yesterday or whenever it was, Brendan says, um, Probably across the board we were not very good, myself included. For me, the system is irrelevant. The style will always be maintained to control and dominate games. I felt we could be aggressive and our front two would really give them a problem, but we never got control of midfield and we couldn't build the game from behind. Now, I think an awful lot of people are listening to that and go, well, no shit, Brent, you know? Um, I think an awful lot of people are listening to that and saying, well, yeah, and then when it didn't happen, why didn't you change it? Phil Casey, do you have any strong thoughts on this? Coming back after my um, phone with positivity... <laughs> yeah, Rogers. I suppose... I, I, I'm, does anyone? Did anyone actually think that playing Coutinho, Sterling... Suarez and Sturridge up top was a good idea and having a two-man midfield made out of Gerrard and Henderson. Is, is there a real cognizance that you don't have to put your best players on the pitch at the same time? Like, you know, you have to have options from the bench. You have to look at things and you say, OK, 4-3-3, we've worked out how to play this 4-3-3. Our system is set up well. Sterling, Sturridge and Suarez, when they play together against Stoke, were fucking dynamite. Like, do you know what I mean? You don't need to put Coutinho into that team as well, especially in the run of form that he's in at the moment. 
you've seen Gerard play in a two at various points over uh, through his, his time. There's nothing that said to me going into this game, especially on the back of the Stoke game where we saw him getting completely dominated again. So I'm looking at and fair play to Brendan saying that he got it wrong, um, and let's hope that he has learned. My fear is that this is the repetition of a similar setup and tactical setup, and he's he, he's used this four two four on Oldham, yeah, uh, against Oldham. He's used <coughs> used against Southampton away when we had almost identical fucking turnout as to what happened. We got run through the actual centre of the park. We were exposed all over the place, um, and he had to change it around. Now. But sometimes, like we give Rogers great credit as being a tactical, tactically aware and astute coach. But sometimes I think we give him far too much credit. He does some really good things in terms of the way he wants the game to play and the whole lot. His in-game management for me is very poor and is very lacking. And, and as much as we, we we gave him praise for making the Sturridge substitution last week, there's been a number of times now when he's when he's done the wrong things. And even in that game, the last twenty minutes, we didn't use a sub. We were ch- we, we we could have gone and chased that game. He's right to say he got it wrong because he got it horrendously wrong on the day. That, that, that's the disappointment as well. Just to say quickly is you know it was two two for thirty eight minutes. Yeah. Um, you know where where was the late kind of um, look? I mean uh, there's not uh, there's not a lot there on the bench. There's a perennial problem. You know we spent fourteen million pounds on two players who basically don't offer a lot. Or you know you've got no faith on sending on, and we've loaned another. Our three attacking players on the bench. You know you've got Aspas, Luis Alberto, and Moses. You wouldn't, you know, Luis Alberto is probably the one you'd fancy to have the best impact. And he's a 21-year-old out of the Spanish second division. Mm. You know, so that, that, that tells you, you know, we, we took these punts on players in the summer. You know, one alone, two kind of lower to mid-price signings. And it's not come off for us. But, I mean, that, not, that aside, you know, just even then, just even in terms of impetus on the pitch and just, you know, a bit of just, you know, even kitchen sink last 10, 15 minutes. Uh, Paul Brown, you're going to say something. Yeah, that, that's that's basically. We kind of had we had the real kind of go at them when Lucas came on in the second half, and then he got injured, and Gerard kind of ran out of steam and mm. wasn't finding the same spaces that he was. That happened at around the same time, and from then on, like Villa, kind of they kind of had our number. They were they were fairly comfortable again, and we just never did anything to change it. And again, I'd say I'd say again that Alberto would have been the one to have come on, and maybe because he, he is clever like that, like and he can pick up the spaces mm. that Gerard had kind of stopped. Picking up, so yeah, I was fairly disappointed that we didn't use the third sub. Well, again, we're coming back to Brendan Rodgers and, and uh, Andy Young. Phil asked the question, a kind of uh, almost a rhetorical one, about like, did anyone think that? Um, clearly, Brendan Rodgers thought that that lineup was going to work. Um, in in a way, is it, was it almost hanging Jared out to dry, putting him in that position? Um, yeah, well, it did. You know, in the end, I suppose like we were all along with Rogers and all the media coverage of him going on about this defensive midfielder Jared playing till he's 39 or whatever like we just we all know that's not going to happen now and we knew it before but we all got involved in the debate and you know part of me was kind of wondering maybe you know maybe Jared can do a job there and I mean it probably was one of the few that were thinking Jesus like you know play uh, play the play the four boys as well but um I think we're, we're we're giving Coutinho a bit of a, a bit too much credit um, now, basing it on last season, because uh, he's basically he's all season he's been like the the player, I suppose Inter were prepared to let go. Mm. And it's Rogers, it, it, it's a personnel thing though, Andy, isn't it? In terms of resources and lack of them. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, if somebody could come in for him, like it, what I think is strange uh, as well is I remember reading an article last year about this kind of new age um, way Liverpool coaches were training them and keeping them injury free. Injury free, yeah. And it was all very specific to each player and how much they were pushed and training and 
they you know it was all calculated but like every single player apart from Suarez Touchwood has been injured now mm. everybody mm. that's fucking ridiculous yeah yeah yes. you know so what's going on there like is it just bad luck but it's not helping because basically the team is pretty much picking them set picking itself because we're only kind of selecting between 16 players or whatever so Coutinho's not ha- there's no pressure on him to p- to play well and I think as much as that confirmed that Gerard is not a defensive midfielder there on Saturday it confirms that Coutinho now needs to spend a, a bit of time on the on the bench yeah but is this this is something we were ta- we talked about last week uh, and we touched on last week he's a kid he's going to have ups and downs He's, he's 21 years of age. Mm. Just as Sterling had ups and downs and, and is on an up at this moment in time. Yeah. You know, it, it's good at times to take him out of the foreign line and take the pressure off. Instead of saying, oh, well, here's my four best attacking players. Let's go and bash Villa. Villa are a football team. They aren't, they aren't a fucking bunch of mugs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're, like, they're, 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 like, they're, I think they're 10th now in the league at this stage. Yeah. There's this thing in our heads that they were like a bottom three team or something like that coming to us. Like in the, exactly what you're saying. He is a kid and Sterling's a kid. And the same thing last year where he put like so much emphasis and responsibility on Sterling's shoulders it was so premature and the time out of the team for Sterling like Sterling became you know he wasn't going to get picked you know for a large portion of the second half of last season mm. and um, he's benefited from he's come back a different player like he's he's unbelievable at the moment he's brilliant and fair play to him because I was losing a bit of faith but uh, Coutinho might need to just feel like he's not you know forced yeah, on the Because yeah. he, he's aware that the fans love that kind of player and yeah. they're always applauding when he does something. But whatever's happened, I look, what I loved about him last year was he get the ball and tight areas. He was able to keep it, hold it up brilliantly, like just, you know, hold on to the ball for five seconds, get everyone started making runs here and there. But now he's so rushed trying to get balls forward and hmm. it's, you know, trying to force everything. You know, it's not. It's not working. It's just not happening yeah. for him at the moment. Simon Furnival, how are you feeling towards Brendan Rodgers in the wake of that match? Um, I'm still feeling fairly positive towards Brendan. You know, yes, he, he got it wrong on Saturday. You know, and, and I suppose the, the worrying thing, if, if you are to take one worrying thing from that, is it's a mistake that he has, as has been said, made. You know, sort of throughout his time here, in that occasionally he just goes, "We're better than these lads." Stick all the best players on and get them to do brilliant things and kind of any sort of tactical plan seems to go out the window but overall I, you know, I'm still very very positive to, towards him I think you know um, the he's got us on a, a, a hugely upward trajectory yeah and uh, you know we're a, we're a much better team I, I, I think in my opinion it's fairly undeniable that we're a much better team than, than when he took over and, and I don't the odd blip aside you know he's still learning as a manager and the odd blip aside I, I think we're we're still going in the right direction, and and you know, yes, it was it was it was a poor, it was a very poor performance. It was a poor result, but you know, the be all and end all is we're still well in this battle for fourth. I'm not sure that we ever were in the battle for the title. So the mm. fact that we're maybe dropping away from City, Chelsea, and Arsenal doesn't really bother me. We're still well in that battle for fourth, and and yeah, I'm I'm still sort of well behind Brendan Rodgers. Fair enough. And Floody, your take on it. Um, how are you feeling towards Brendan Rodgers yourself at the moment? Um, the, I've no issue with Rodgers at all. Um, as Simon said, he's, he has us on a scarily upward trajectory. Like where mm-hmm. we, if you look at where we were two years ago to where we are now, yeah. we're talking about four. We were talking about titles there a few weeks ago. Like it's yeah. a few years, two years ago, we were talking where are we going with this team. Like the, the club was in the doldrums. So I'm very, very happy with what he's doing at the moment. Um, I think I do think he's lacking a bit of personnel. 
in in terms of playing uh, players that he has available to yeah, him. Having choices, yeah. Having choices. Um, as, as Phil said there, did anyone see this working on on Saturday? I would have said, yeah, but with the right personnel. Mm-hmm. That you could play them for with the right personnel. I actually, I, I actually picked that selection myself. It was the four two 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 before the game? I would have said that. Yeah. They did it against uh, Fulham. You know, it was essentially it was that. Now, okay, they had yeah, Henderson. But, but Fulham. Yeah, no, Fulham are no, 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 awful. I know that, but it, they've done it and it's worked. Okay, so Martin Yard didn't even give bollocks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody, I'm just thinking about positivity. Just to, to maybe wrap up on this again. Um, th- 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 this is a man who gets an awful lot of flack for being possibly uh, full of a little bit of guff at times but again listen to these words and compare them to the previous ones they're quite measured he says uh, if I think of it in terms of last season in terms of where we were last week against Stoke and against Aston Villa here in those games we got no points at all and we got four points out of six okay Uh, (laughs) (laughs) ideally we want to win the home games and we've been a great run here at home but when you can't win it's important that you don't lose the game and I think we show that character today yet again he's just short of an outstanding at the end there but basically (laughs) you know it's fair enough isn't it put the spin on it yeah listen I'm a very negative fan I'd be fucking meltdown on Saturday after the game I'd give a fuck to everybody and everyone the dog got kicked in the whole lot but you weren't very nice on Twitter either, mate. No, of course uh, not. We, we fucking drill. You weren't nice to Travis Cousin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sister, yeah. I thought it was sister earlier on, no? And your cousin. Well, like, we've, we've got the look. We haven't lost the game. <laughs> we haven't lost the game. Yeah. Um, th- th- that's probably the, the only positive I take from the game yeah. on, on, on the weekend. Um, hopefully, we can remain for tonight and push on from there. Would have been nice to get the three points, but. I like to have the manager being positive as well. Like he's, even he comes out and he, he, he lies a little bit about it. Um, it kind of does make fans feel a little bit better. Players feel a little bit better. It does, yeah. And, and hopefully yeah. the players are buying it. Like because if the players aren't buying it, you know you're fucked. Yeah. yeah. Just just one 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 very last point on this, right? That we haven't touched on. I, I saw a bit. We were talking about. Uh, didn't feel that Sissoko, you know, deserving of some of the abuse he was getting on Twitter and all, especially when you have Johnson playing the way he, where he is. And like, we haven't even bothered touching on Johnson because no it's, it's, it's a broken no record. It's, it's 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 the same thing week in week out. But anyway, um, Carlo Torre is <sighs> being yeah, I know, and everyone's blowing their lips out and saying it. But listen, he's not a left centre back. And as much as we we we've talked about not playing two left left footed centre backs because you know they wouldn't be used to playing each other, you can see that Carlo Torre hasn't played left centre back that much in his career, right? Because he doesn't look comfortable there. I would, I would have even swapped around Torre and Skirtle in in the game very early in the game because he 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 was accomplished as a right centre back. Torre has been very accomplished as a right centre back for us since he signed, but he's he's really really struggling as a left centre back. Uh. And I just I just I just think that you know, in 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 when performances go that way, sometimes it's better to put a fellow back into his most comfortable position because we know that Skirtle can. Sort to do a job at left centre back, um, we? but well, he can he can do he can do it better than Torre has done. And I thought, especially after the Stoke game, we'd know not to play him as a as a left centre back. Like we're talking about lessons, that will will um, will Rogers actually learn a lesson? Hopefully he does. But you know, the signs don't always point to the fact that he's going to pick up pick up one days fairly quickly. Well, what I say there, Phil? I know you're you're saying Torre about left centre back. Whether Torre is right or left, or Skirtle is right or left, I think there's an issue with that back four. 
that they're not working as a unit. They're not working as a unit because we haven't had a unit, we haven't had a partnership, well, we haven't had four players that have played a string of three games. Like, and when the Rafa days when we were water tight, you know, it was it was brilliant. It was because you were the same back four all the time, the communication and the other understanding. Like it is. But where does that communication come from? It was Carrot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, uh, like we don't have a, a, a that type of player in our back four no. who who dictates and, and looks after that whole back four. Well, I think when I, when Aga, when Agar's playing, that's what you get. Okay. Nineteen of Brendan's twenty-one clean sheets. Agar has been the centre half in in the team. Hmm. Um, the reason for that is his leadership qualities are, are there. He he controls that back four, hmm. and you do need a centre half that does that. The thing about it is as well, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> look. Every one of them have their, have their critics for different reasons, but the manager hasn't a chance to pick and no, choose. No, he's you forced in, he's wedged into. I mean, it, you, you, I think if Carragher was still in the squad, he'd be still our fucking best. No, I, I, I'll tell you now, right? I would have Torre in ahead of Skerto as a right centre back. Personally, on, 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 on the, in the games that I've seen him play this season, and especially when we go back to the start of the season and we were keeping clean sheets, it was Torre and Agar, and Torre looked solid as a right centre back then. And I think Torre could also do a job as a right centre back alongside Sacco. The problem is, I can't see Torre as a left centre back ever. Um, and I, uh, for me, Skirtle is the one that fills in if somebody's missing with injury. But I think, you, you know, you've got your defined left centre backs and you've got one defined right centre back. We've really only got one utility centre back. Okay. Um Right, let's move on and let's move it forward. Look, obviously we've discussed at length previously, the priority probably has to be the derby match. I don't think there's anyone around here or on the phone who's going to disagree with that. So do we have enough personnel, given the injuries, to select a midfield which would be allow us to rest the tree, which will probably start the derby? If you get where I'm going with that, James, do you think that's a possibility? Do we have enough personnel, basically, to select a midfield where the three likely starters um, against Everton will not have to start uh, against Bournemouth. No, we don't. Yeah. Oh, no, same, same, simple answer, we don't. Unless you're going to put in, you know, sort of Jordan Roster, who's 16, or is Clay, Craig Rodden still at the club, who's, who's never kind of stood out as one who's going to kind of uh, make the grade. Yeah. Um, no, we, we, we haven't. It's as simple as that. You know, we didn't really, we didn't really before Lucas got injured. And Lucas, you know, the suggestions are Lucas is out for six weeks to three months. Um we would have been having to play one of them then, by my reckoning. So now we're perhaps going to have to play two. Because I, personally, I would, you know, if I were Brandon Rogers, I probably would have played Lucas against Bournemouth, and then you know, Alan Gerrard and Henderson in the derby. But um, so that's kind of out the window now because obviously Lucas is injured. So yeah, mm. we uh, we lack depth there. It is sloppy looking, isn't it, Paul Brennan? Your ideas on on who's going to start against Bournemouth? Is it, it is it needs must? Is it just whoever's there? Yeah, even like if even if you wanted to drop two of them two of the starters for the derby it would probably mean Rossiter and Alberto maybe Alberto may be playing as an advanced midfielder and like I mean you know I don't think you really want to throw two of them into a, a cup game like that mm. but at the same time it's just like it's it's getting like the, the, the injuries are getting crazy like we do need to kind of keep ourselves for the derby so yeah, he might need to make a statement like that with yeah, maybe, you know a couple yeah. of weeks left in the transfer window you know yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, Phil, what do you think in terms of lineup for for the Bournemouth match? Realis- realistically, if we're sending if we're, if we're sending our twenty ones out on loan to these leagues, to be thinking that they can do a job, then I'd, I'd, I know James mentioned <coughs> about Jordan Roster sixteen and, and stuff like that. But look, play these lads. I'm sick of saying that the Champions League and getting into the Champions League is is fucking so important for us this year. So you're, you're saying basically brittle confidence is irrelevant. 
in Mary's story, if it was if it was a different game, I'd say yes, you you can say you can say about form or whatever. But this is this is a Mary's story. There. Form just goes out. Yeah, the but collect, collectively, you you want everything going into the game. You know what I mean? And I think coming at the back of a defeat would be just horrendous. Yeah. Well, yeah. look, maybe maybe let's take a look at the match that everyone seems to want to talk about rather than the match that uh, seems to be forced on us in in, in, a, in a manner of speaking, and that's the the the, the derby. Look. The Suarez and Sturridge partnership is something that's caused an awful lot of conversation over the course of the season um, for positive reasons and I've heard some negative mumblings of late, people saying that perhaps it doesn't necessarily work as a partnership. Um, I know, Simon, that you've got a particular take on this. Um, Well, it's not that I don't think it works as a partnership. I think it it does. I think it's... Potentially, the, the knock-on effect that that has on the rest of the side in, in trying to force those two in up front. Um, you know, I, I, I think you know we saw against Stoke that, and, and we've seen in, in the few other games where they've started together, they do seem to have a, a good understanding together. Mm. But they both want to play as strikers. Suarez doesn't particularly want to play out wide. Sturridge definitely doesn't want to play out wide, even though they're both very, very capable of doing so. And so, and, and Roger seems to, I think it was, it was what sort of brought about the 3-5-2 at the start of the season. He seems very eager to, to you know, get those two into a, a two-up-front partnership. And I, and I just don't think we've, we've maybe at the moment got the rest of the team around them to, to fit them up front together. And I think one of them is going to have to make the sacrifice to, to you know, play out wide and, and, and coming inside. Mm, yeah, um, James, do you would you would you agree with where Simon's going with that in terms of um, the, the the Suarez Sturridge partnership? Um, for the derby, I possibly would because Everton are you know one of the best teams in the league at keeping the ball, and it would be. Well, as, as we uh, as we're talking now, Everton have just gone ahead. Uh, sorry, was anyone trying to avoid the result? Too fucking late if they are. Yeah, yeah. I was say too late now. Cheers, man. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, I mean, depending on what happens tonight, to a degree, um, a draw in the derby in the circumstances isn't a very good result. But losing would be fucking disastrous. Mm, yeah. And you know, you don't want to go into a game like that too open. Um, I mean, my. And you know, I mean, do you do you do you, do you put one of Suarez or Sturridge in a wide role? You know, they're both very good players. Both should have the capacity to be, you know, at least somewhat effective in a wide role. You know, either of them should be capable of you know sort of contributing and you know having an impact on the game and scoring goals from wide positions. But it's obviously not ideal. But that is maybe one game where I, I either would do that, or maybe you you kind of look at it from the point of view of saying, well, you know, if we keep Sturridge on the bench. We've actually got something in reserve for once in a game because as things stand at the moment, we've got a strongest eleven on the pitch, which, which is you know it's, it's fine. I mean, in it's you know certain line of conventional wisdom, that's the thing that makes the most sense. But if we need it, there's really nothing else on the bench to change the game. I mean, obviously Sturridge is coming back from injury and is, is you know he had a great impact off the bench against Stoke, but um, yeah, it's a re- it's a real dilemma because our best you know they, they are by far our best two attacking players, and you know again conventional wisdom suggests you want to get them both on the pitch at the same time, but. Is there an effective way of doing that against Everton whilst not being overrun in the middle? You know that's that's the decision Rodgers has got to make, and I hope to God he doesn't get this one wrong. The way he got the Villa one wrong. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Damien Flood, is there any choice here uh, other than to play the two of them from the start? Um, I think the two of them have to play, but it's just just the way that you play them. Um, I, I said it last week. I thought Sturridge should have for Coutinho. I think the system should have stayed the same. Going with the two up top off each other isn't going to work. Both players 
have they like to lead the line um, and be that lone striker. What you could do is maybe try to get some fluid movement between the two of them that they, they rotate between being the, the, the main striker yeah. and one moves out, one moves in, or a Sterling moves across and continually rotate mm. to confuse them and then maybe one out to the, the left or right. Suarez loves to pull out wide onto, the, onto that left flank and attack from that diagonal mm. left thing towards the actual box. Absolutely. And Sterling then gives you a sort of the, the, a similar on the right-hand side but more in a, a sort of conventional wingery type way. And then storage can hold through the centre. I think when you, when you force the two of them into that space, they start running into each other or making the same runs and you don't get that, that real sort of interchange. And if you look, like Coutinho likes to come in from the left-hand side the same way Suarez does. We're talking about Coutinho not having the same influence. It's because I think himself and Suarez are taking up the same area of the actual pitch when, when our forward play happens. And then you're looking at it going, OK, both of them start coming in and there's a gap that's left often there. I, I think as a tree, and we said it last week, if you have Sturridge, Sterling and Suarez in the form that they're in, or had been in going in, in, into the game, and, and relatively still in it as well, because Sturridge scores and, and, and Suarez wasn't mm. too bad at all, um, I think that's a much better fluid tree to have than, mm. than, than, than you know, with, with three in the centre midfield to take on the actual Everton mm. midfield. At the moment, I think it's definitely a better tree than Coutinho, Suarez and Sterling was, you know, I think... Uh, storage, storage, and Suarez. Although they both want to be the focal point, uh, for two players who want to be up there, they vacate that space an awful lot. So just like I mean, they're two, they're two clever players, and they're two players that are on form, and they're two, you know, they're two players that want to win. And I don't think, I don't think they like they would have the issue that we all think that one's going to get the hump, like that, just because Storage is told to kind of start up through the middle, and uh, that Suarez is going to get the hump. Yes, Suarez is a mad little bollocks. He won't give a fuck where he's playing. Yeah. He honestly won't. And the the only worry I'd have with four three three is that if say Suarez was to start off the left, that he, Coleman might have a lot of joy down. You know the right. Uh, he was side. he was very disciplined. When, when I think back to Suarez playing on the left hand side, and it's the only one, one time I, I can really remember starting that position was Arsenal away last year, yeah. mm-hmm. and he was yeah, yeah. very disciplined in his defensive duties, and he did very well. And we, and we should have won that game that yeah. night. We we, we gave yeah. gave up a two goal lead yeah. if you remember. And I think Everton would be very similar to Arsenal in, in the way they'll approach the yeah. game as, as that Arsenal trip away. And I, if, I, I, if, I think that'd be a good way to play. Again. If the game does swing that way, and Everton. Like, there is a chance that Everton might dominate this game. And if it does swing that way, you can rely on Suarez to do that. Like, you can. Now, it's not ideal, <coughs> but you can rely on to do it. And although they, they don't look... Yep, fair enough. Fair enough. <coughs> Paul Brennan, uh, to move along a little bit and change topics slightly, is there any way in hell which we, in which you can continue to leave out Sacco and I'm presuming that he's he's OK to play, especially with Lukaku in the opposition ranks now? No, if, he, if, if he's fit, he definitely has to play Sacco. As, as we saw, like, as... As Damo said, against Aston Villa, it was all just kind of reactive defending. But there was a lot of direct ball. We're probably not going to face that as much with Everton, but there was a lot of direct balls that caused a lot of trouble like, uh, to us from Aston Villa. So and like Everton do kind of like they do like to give it to Lukaku like direct sometimes. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd really like Sacco to be in there, yeah. and then I, I I like Torre as Phil was saying. I like him as a right centre back, and I wouldn't mind seeing him play there. Mm-hmm. Skirtle against like. Against the, remember, mo- the, remember last, the last Merseyside derby, it was carnage on the set pieces. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't want to see Skirtle against them, really. Yeah, you had Johnson, Mark, and Lukaku, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like absolutely, it's Sacco straight in there, and I think he can he can really put it up to Lukaku, and it just it just eliminates one big problem. I can't understand if Johnson's carrying an injury on the form that he's on. If Kelly can't get into that team, he must have robbed Brendan Rogers' car or something and drove it into a lamppost. Because yeah. what the hell does he have to do to get a run? Like whatever side Morales plays, like you take the Mickey out of 
Kisoko or uh, Johnson at the moment you would mm. yeah well I, on that right and prepare for some uh, tumbleweed here listeners I'm going to ask everyone around the table and the guys on the line as well is there anyone here who can construct a reasonable argument why Glenn Johnson should start against Everton no yeah that's pretty quiet um, yeah. ok right then um <laughs> Yeah, this is a slight, a slight pause, is it? Pretty much. <laughs> that's, that's what you call a major pause. Uh, okay, we've pretty much run out of crap. So, okay, um, right, can I go around, uh, around the, 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 the various heads here and get some ideas on how we think the two games will finish? Um, maybe we'll just we'll be focus more, lads, on the, on, the, you know, on the Merseyside Derby, given the lottery of the selection and the fact that it's the Cup. Maybe let's focus on the Merseyside Derby. So how do we see that game going? Um, Damien Flood. Um, it, it's going to be a very difficult game Everton are a very accomplished side under Martinez and they, they do work their socks off I just have and, and the lads have said it over previous weeks I think with Suarez storage if they show up and they are on top form I think we can beat them um, mm. on the night uh, we have to get control of that midfield we have to have three in there um, but I think if we can get ball and get movement up front off the three lads I think I think we can score goals against them um, Everton won't like that just taking this other one or two nil. OK nice one Simon Furnival your uh, prediction for how it's going to go um, I, I, I can't see past the draw really um, I think you know Lukaku's exactly the sort of striker that we struggle against and, and whether Sarko's fit or not I suspect Skirtle will be playing and so Lukaku will just attach himself to Skirtle and try and you know turn every battle into a wrestling match which Skirtle will inevitably lose and possibly give away a penalty um, mm. but on the, on the positive side we have a, a huge amount of attacking talent that, that can really hurt them so yeah I, I think it'll be an entertaining game but I, I can't really see past the draw OK James Owens oh, uh, I've got a bit of a bad feeling about it and that's not really just because of Saturday uh, Liverpool 2 Everton 2 but I think we could easily get beat OK OK uh, Paul Brennan yeah, I was going along the lines of two all as well. They seem to have lost. They kind, of, they really seem to have lost. They, you know, the inferiority pl- complex they had under Moyes, where yeah. it was like we seem to just turn up and kind of roll them over, especially in Anfield. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be very difficult. I'd probably go along the lines of two all as well. Okay, and uh, Andy Young. Yeah, that's what worries me most is that they don't really have players that aren't playing well. And as Damo says, we need to kind of depend on everyone clicking on the day. Now, if that happens, I think we weigh too much for them. I think like Liverpool, where play all players were performing to the to the standard that we know they can, they be they can beat anyone. But unfortunately, like everything can change their back uh, for you know bringing anyone, and they just see going and going and going. The only blessing I think is um, they don't have Barkley to kind of make a bit of a hero out of himself at Anfield. Yeah. So two two, yeah, quite it's quite uh, realistic. Um, Show, I think 2 2, but we, we can't be torn up, but 2 2 and be disappointing. But that's that's just being me and trying to be realistic about it. Yeah, well, I have to say, there's been little or no discussion of it, but I think the loss of Lucas uh, to the squad. I know <laughs> Floody's going to be shaking his head across the way here, but I think the loss of Lucas to the squad is actually quite a major consideration. Um, for us if we don't uh, replace him uh, in the next couple of weeks so mm. again for that reason everything has to click so I wouldn't be awfully hopeful myself about this game and I can see it being a, a bit of a disappointing reversal for us sadly uh, 
Yeah, okay, let's move on to a completely different thing here and start with our listeners' questions. Um, first one is from John Agerman, and he asks, should Colin Pascoe dress himself up and act as a defensive authority at LFC? Andy? Uh, <laughs> I know what that question means. Colin <laughs> uh, uh, Pascoe, I couldn't believe it when I seen him uh, come in, kind of a, for Steve Clark as such, like going out the door and this fella coming in. Who the fuck is this Johnny Ar like? What what is he? Like, Johnny <laughs> Johnny you know, he looks at they're fucking heading him <laughs> In mountain head like uh, Steve Stone. So you've basically gone off the there, Andy, and not answered the question at all. It takes a minute. <laughs> as, as a person with a large head, I'd like to take the Andy's headest comments. <laughs> yeah, it is quite headest, Paul. I agree with you. Uh, next one up is from last week's guest, Mark Simpson, and he's got a simple uh, shag, marry, kill question. And his shag, marry, kill question is aimed at Rafa, Brandon, and Kenny. Any takers on this? Yes, Paul. I go. Um, I'd shag Brendan because he'd probably touch my face enough. Make me feel mad tender and all. <laughs> mad tender. I'd, yeah. Mad tender. <laughs> I'd marry Kenny because he's like, well, he's the the best Liverpool, the best player that's ever played for us. And I'd probably kill Rafa because you know I'd say once you talk to him too much and he keeps banging on about fucking four two three one and that like throw <laughs> him out a fucking window or something so. Definitely Shad Brendan though, that's the one I'm really certain of. I think so, yeah, yeah. he wouldn't do much the kissing. Face, the face touching. You know? He wouldn't do much kissing with those lips though, would you? Mm. Oh fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, next one, Graham Casson. <laughs> Graham Casson wants to know, why does, and this again, more of a football based one might make us a bit more sensible, why does Brendan Rodgers feel the need to constantly outsmart opposition teams? Is it inexperience, is it pressure, or is it overconfidence? Um, maybe Simon, I might ask you that one. Um, I'm not sure that he does feel the need to, to outsmart opposition teams. I think he perhaps does at times feel a bit overconfident. Um, but, you know, I think that's... And that's possibly down to his inexperience. Um, you know, I, I, I hope that the, the you know these team selections, which I assume is what the sort of question is, is referring to, um, is something that he will grow out of as, as he you know becomes a, a more experienced manager and... and Figures out what it what it takes at, at the top level, but I, I, I'm not sure that I, w- I would agree with with Graham in, in classifying it as, as trying to outsmart opposition teams. I'd just say he's, he's yeah, he's, he's an inexperienced manager who, who sometimes gets a bit overconfident and thinks, ah, fuck this, we'll beat these lot. They're shite. Yeah, yeah, and he, he, he likes to touch faces as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> major plus point, which is a major plus point. Yeah, uh, you're beautiful. <laughs> Standing skin. What the fuck? Sort of Norwegian accent was that? You're a beautiful. Come into my sauna. Jesus. Oh, Christ. Uh, right. That was. You're beautiful. <laughs> oh, brilliant Norwegian accent again. Uh, next one up is from Spike Friedman, and he's wondering how openly can I weep about Lucas? And I think around this table here, I'm not sure how many takers we have for weeping. I know Damien, Damien Flood's not even slightly arsed. In fact, he might be happy. Damien, well, actually, I'll come to you as, as our resident Lucas basher. How are you F- feeling? Fan. Best, how, biggest how fan. I weeping? Yeah, I know, how are you feeling about Lucas being out? Could, are you arsed? At, at the moment, I'm fucking shitting he's out. There's only, <laughs> only three players. Yeah. <laughs> play midfield. Three players mm. to play midfield. I, I, I give the kid a lot of stick, but 
Og oh, fuck, der kom de tre pladsen i middel. Mm. Lad os blive boys, we really need them, so yeah. weep away, kid. Oh, I'm properly weeping, yeah. I'm, I'll openly admit to weeping. Time could be good of it happening, though, because there is time to bring a player in, and it might have changed the You focus. mean it might be a kick in the arse to the... Yeah, yeah you okay. know, the time, like, I mean, if there's any positive you can take, I don't, like, Jesus, like, I mean, I like Lucas, and he, he does a job, and you need him, especially when you have so many injuries, but it just could be a bit of a... Line which which of you boys is photoshopping the Adam V up into into Liverpool top there? Recently? That wasn't a photoshop. That was real. That was real, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that was real. That was real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, promo shots now massive, taken. Massive bonus. He, he's done. He's done a medical seven times since uh, December. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Every Thursday he comes over for a medical. Yeah. The, ba- the babble copter's been. <laughs> <laughs> Thursday he he just turns up for medicals on Thursdays. Right, well we had our uh, owners over um, uh, up in the stands watching the game there the other day and Craigard Painting says, should we see some new faces now that the bosses have been to visit? Um, have they signed off, do you think, on a few things? It's obviously not coincidental, their timing of their visit. There was some statistic out that he, John Henry hadn't been over for, what was it, like 12 months? or f- It was his first Anfield game, they said, his first Anfield game, I think they said, since Rogers took over. Was it? it was something ridiculous like that. I, I, when I, I'm when I very heard surprised it, at that because you're one of the most posting pictures. Off, like, well. yeah, 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 she can keep posting pictures. Mm. Steady. <laughs> um, anyway, the question is: You're yeah, beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> the, the question is uh, from Craig Arpage. <laughs> Should we see some new faces now? Um, and I suppose, look, th- this is our chance to talk about who we might like to see. Does anyone have any suggestions here in this scene as we're uh, kind of chatting about the topic in general? Who would you want to see? Just a defensive midfielder. Does it like a, we it need it, and, and a centre midfielder now would also help out as well. Like I think, James, you've touched on this plenty of times as well. You, it's very hard to go into a season with four centre midfielders when you play three in midfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is, yeah. yeah. Basically, there's nothing more to add. It is, you know, it's not enough. Five... Probably, yeah, but, you know, four, you push and you look. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, look, let's change on to Ryan McTernan's question. And Ryan asks, who would back out of a tackle quicker, uh, Ra- Raul Morales or Glenn Johnson? What do you think, James? Raul Morales. Why was that? He's just an abject shithouse. Johnson, you know, Johnson, when he, fa- when he fancies that Johnson can actually be quite good in the tackle, but mm. he just, you know, with Johnson it's more disinterest rather than shitting out of things, I think. You yeah. know, I'm not, I'm not saying... Well, fuck it, Raul Morales definitely, yeah, no, no debate. Yeah, anyone else like to back anyone else there? No, I think we've all got a round the house mm. agreement on Raul. <laughs> right, next one is from Jim Fishlock. Jim asks, after Saturday, would you invite Ali Sissoko around for some good, there's a blank here, and a kick around? Now, I'm not sure whether Jim is trying to give us a little bit of a wind-up and ask us, but I think he just actually forgot the word. But I think it's an interesting thing here. After Saturday, would you invite Ali Sissoko around for some good blank and a kick around? What I want you to do is insert the blank. What do you think? Do we have to write it down like blankety blank? No, no, just give me some sheds, for fuck's sake. What, you want to fill the blank? Yeah, fill in the blank. Something good thump and kick around. <laughs> <laughs> good thump and, and kick around. That works perfectly. Yeah. Do you remember the dream flying lad where the car comes flying over the wall? Simon, you're saying you'd invite him around for a good kick, is it? Yeah, absolutely. After Saturday's performance. Harsh again. Simon, I'm going to stick with you and ask you this one from Kieran. And he says... You may you may not thank me for this. If you walked in on Roy Hudson naked in your bed, what would you do? <laughs> <laughs> I think. Go on, Simon. Just 
freeze in absolute terror. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think that's fair enough. I'm going to get a few reactions to this. James Owens, what would you do, Chief? Um, probably quickly take a photograph so I could kind of like, I don't know, just, it, I mean, for, for one thing, hang on, there'd be money in that, you know, England managers, <laughs> you know, tabloids, but I mean, uh, I'd, I'd possibly um, show him the, you know, the, the David Bowie Photoshop with this. <laughs> well, I've got you here, Roy. <laughs> Here's one I made earlier, Roy. <laughs> if you took a picture down, I'd just think it was another Photoshop. <laughs> That's what I mean, that, that was what I was getting onto, and then I just thought, actually, I could also make money from it, you know. Brilliant, and Paul Brennan can't let the occasion pass uh, asking you what you might do to <laughs> The man who followed up for Roy Hodgson's Roy Hodgson on the pictures. Like, what the fuck would you do? Like, I don't know. Like that episode of South Park, you know where Cartman sees something so funny that like, he can't laugh at it? <laughs> I'd have no more reason to live if I saw that. Like, That's it, you're, you're, you're done. for me complete. You're fucking done. I, I can retire. <laughs> Quickly get your hammer. <laughs> right. Get your hammer out. Uh, one for the all the jackings around the table here, um, and that is from Will Speed Evans, and he says he's going to be a reverse day tripper. He's going to be in Dublin for a Swansea game any recommendations for where to go and watch the match so I'll get a few shouts from you local locals here and all seriousness uh, Sinnets like if 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 he's in town it's Sinnets or the Woolshed the Woolshed? yeah depending on what sort oh, of town yeah, he's on yeah, 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 if, yeah. If, if he's up around Parnell Street you'll be safer at Sinnets yeah. yeah yeah. so if you're in town we'll go to Sinnets well, the, tre- Trev likes Finches because Neil Ruddock was there like a few months ago. Is that a fact? Yeah. I think he still is there. In that facts. That's one to avoid. They haven't been able to get him back out. They're trying to cut the roof off. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, this is an interesting one. Marco Lopez asks, you have a football app on your phone uh, and with it you can control a player. Now, two things. Who would you control and what would you make him do? Stuart down and, and play with traffic. <laughs> Can I I come in? Please do, James. Um, Ali Sissoko and I board a train to Vladivostok. (laughs) 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 I I assume the control extends beyond the pitch. I I just walk out mid-game, leaving with 10 men, which you'd probably be better off. You could could do the same thing with Victor Moses, really, couldn't you? Just just, just get on the the train to... Somebody has that app for Victor Moses. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have to go there. With Flanagan after he scored that goal and he had the big uh, bugle on him. <laughs> <laughs> you could control him, like, you know, to do fucking something with that, you know? <laughs> Andy, where, are you, where are you even going with that? Where are you even going with that? Uh, I'd control Andy Carroll and make him do his big, you know, his big funny donkey run right up to Allardyce and kick him in the pods. Because <laughs> Allardyce is a prick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, get off the fence there. Uh, next one up, um, again, a more, uh, more serious kind of uh, football Next one up is DJG, and he asks, if you can name a sequel that was better than the original movie. Now, we already had uh, Empire Strikes Back, I think, here. I don't think of any other ones. Sequels, sequels that were better than the originals. I'm going to leave Phil out here because he doesn't watch movies because he's kind of odd like that. But anyone else who watches movies? Die Hard. Die Hard 2 was better. Mm. Okay. God, 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 the airport. Airport. Would you? Yeah. The one with the yeah, oh, this, this is the one the snow well with the boat and snow. The first one was in the tower and then yeah. the second one was in the airport. In the airport, yeah. Actually, actually, yeah, I'm, <laughs> Get fucking I'm, in there. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Godfather too. Yeah, Godfather well, I thought that was better. And Indiana Jones and the Temple with the Yeah. Any other sets from anyone? Shrek two. Shrek two. Mm-hmm. Oh, they are a bit like that. The cartoony ones. Yeah. They put the feelers out with the force and the second one's good. 
<laughs> Back again to more kind of things to do with the screen. Gray is asking us who is your favourite or what's your favourite cartoon or kids TV show? Right, I'll get I'll get one of these off everyone. Paul Brennan, who would you go with? Thomas the Tank Engine. Uh, any concise reason why, Paul? Because he's a fucking boss. <laughs> <laughs> Does he like to Thomas the Tank? Uh, <laughs> James Owen's favourite kids TV show or cartoon? Um, my mind's gone blank for things that aren't cartoons, so I'll stick with cartoons. And um, I was a big fan of the Rugrats. Rugrats? Yeah, yeah, I was a big fan of the Rugrats. Quality, yeah. quality, Simon? Uh, Pinky and the Brain. Ah, yeah, that's a good mm. show. That's a good show. Andy? Uh, Mask Crusaders. You, what? Mask Mask Crusaders, working overtime, fighting crime, fighting crime. What the fuck is no? that? No, no, no concept. Didn't get it in the country, no? No concept, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what it was. Mask. No, uh, no. Uh, no we, we got TV about three years ago, so no, I have no idea. Bagpuss. Scooby-Doo. <sighs> Bagpuss and Scooby-Doo. Oh, that runs oh. What was that? You're not having a stroke? I used to be Bagpuss at the end. Okay, I thought you were having a stroke or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> right, the same man finishes this whole section out with another little interesting question. Would you rather have the ability to speak to animals or to speak all languages, I presume human languages, which would you prefer, the ability to communicate with animals or the ability to speak all languages? Hmm. hmm. That's a, a tricky one, I think it you'll is, agree. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit confused. I'm going to go with all languages because I can't be arse talking to animals myself. Phil Casey? Oh. Here we go. I think I'd go with the animals. Yeah, fucking funny that, isn't it? No, because you could then get the animals to work for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's just attacked them right there. Uh, get the animals to work for you in what way, Phil? Do shit. Like, you could tell the monkey. Like, what the fuck is a pig going to do for you? <laughs> Stuff. Okay, Christ alive. Simon Furnival. Uh, I'm thinking more like tigers and bears. Just, just leave and it. And lions. Just leave it. Polar bears. Can we, can we bring our guest in? Simon, Simon, uh, the ability to speak to animals or the ability to speak all human languages, what do you think? Um, I'd probably go to uh, the idea to speak all languages so that I can tell Ali Sissoko exactly how to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, the life is getting a hammer on for Ali. James? Um, I hate the fact that I can only speak one language. Um, it's, it, it drives me mad, but... Um, I don't know. I mean, it depends on whether or not the animals could talk back, because that's that's kind of the great thing about animals. You can, you kind of talk at them anyway, and they can't talk back. So <laughs> I'll, go for, I'll go for all languages actually, because I talk to animals anyway. I talk to my rabbit, and that's kind of the beauty of it is I just talk. You know, I don't have to you know answer any questions or anything. I See, just kind of say what I want. Really, it, it would ruin it for you if your rabbit started giving you shit back. Is basically what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, well, I just want to get out of, before I get everyone else. So you know, you just exactly. threaten that poor rabbit with big Anthony fucking impressions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's just one part of the rapper tour. Fucking hell. Sing to it everything. <laughs> uh, Paul Brown. I'd, go, I'd speak to the animals. You'd I'd, speak to the animals, Paul? I'm an antisocial cunt as it is. I might speak to other people in languages I don't know. So. Be the crack. Yeah, the animals, exactly. Yeah. Me, me and Phil fucking running right. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine I going up to a cow and saying, what the fuck do you do all day? I'm finding out. Like, <laughs> just, mm, just, just chilling, man. <laughs> just chilling. Just boring animal, like. <laughs> I'd go to the zoo, like. And that's not boring. The poor bastards are locked in cages. Tell them how to go. <laughs> okay. An animal revolution. <laughs> and we wrap it up. Right, want to remind you all of the Five Times Guys competition in association with ourselves here for two tickets to see Jamie Carragher and Didi Haman on February 27th in Dublin. You just tweet 
hashtag carrot day trip to at the day trippers one and at five times co that's all you need to do to enter and that hashtag looks like this it's hashtag and then capital letters c-a-r-r-a-d and lowercase a-y-t-r-i-p the hjc cup ireland is on march 22nd in astro park details will be on our timeline tomorrow so get a team in so we can get a kick at you and roundly humiliate you with our silky skills on march 22nd it's a great cause there's a night on afterwards and it'll probably feature a few drunken trippers no doubt so big thanks again as always to johnny rep for our class intro music you can check out their new signal our single give on itunes and that's released on february the 1st you can follow our news, info and sagacious musings on, smart, on our smart feed at Liverpool Ways. So you should be following that great account, which is mar, mar, uh, managed by bearded wonder Colin Turley. And if you want some excellent articles or content, you should get down to www.beyondthecop.com for some great things going on there. Um, don't forget also to follow us and subscribe to this madness either on Podbean, iTunes or via any podcatcher on Android. And finally, big thanks to tonight's day trippers. We've got Simon Furnival, the bad wool, James Owens, the bad day tripping wool, Paul Brennan, Damien Flood, Andy Young, Phil Casey, and myself, Trev Denny. Thanks for listening. That was beautiful, guys. <laughs> <laughs>